Hey everybody, it's me, Josh, and I'm here to tell you it's official. We're going to be in Vancouver, B.C. and Portland, Oregon this March. On March 29th, we'll be at the Chan Center in Vancouver, and on March 30th, we'll be at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall in Portland. So come see us. Tickets go on sale this Friday. Go to sysklive.com for ticket links and info and everything you need. We'll see you guys in March. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles uh, Scooter Computer Bryant and Jerry um, Matthew Broderick in War Games Rolling. And this is Stuff You Should Know. That's good. Thanks. What's your name? Josh. Mm. Okay. Uh, Josh. Ali Sheedy in more games. <laughs> okay. Clark. <laughs> I know what Aaron Cooper's doing right now. Man, how cute was she in that movie? Like, I think they designed that movie for like every 13-year-old boy in America to fall in love with Ali Sheedy. Wrong. I think you're talking about um, Short Circuit. <laughs> I never saw that. Believe that. What? With Johnny Five? I mean, I know the movie. You got to see it. Really? It's pretty awful. Okay. Especially with, um, oh, what's his name? Who is the sleazeball from Fast Times at Ridgemont High who is the ticket scalper? Damone? Yes. Yeah. He plays a Indian, like Asian Indian character, like full on brown face and everything. <laughs> it's really bad. The movie's bad enough. But then now when you go back and see that, too, you're mm -hmm. like, I can't believe this. I can't believe it. I think he's Italian. Oh, easily. Maybe or, Jewish. Or maybe just a straight-up white guy. He's definitely not Asian Indian. No, he's not. No. But anyway, go see Short Circuit. Okay. See what you think. Ali Sheedy just keeps looking at the camera going, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was a big hit, though. She didn't have anything to be sorry about. Um, so I guess War Games is kind of in your your wheelhouse. Oh, Yeah. It was a little old for me. Yeah, because I saw that when I was like 12-ish, mm -hmm. uh, and you would have been, I don't know, how, how much younger are you? Six? I would have been seven. Seven? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a little young for war games, I would think. I mean, I still watched it wherever, but I was like, yeah. that's hilarious. The computer's called Whopper. Yeah, I mean, it was right in my wheelhouse. Right. I remember at the end of war games, uh, they lock in, you know, they're decoding the uh, the code one number and letter at a time. Very suspenseful. And it, yeah, very suspenseful. And it finally locks in, and me and my friends memorized it, so we could go home and plug it into an Apple II uh -huh. to see what happened. What happened? Nothing. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> how, actually... how do you plug in a number anyway? What does that even mean? Um, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I remember a very rudimentary uh, program you could run, where you could type in like four lines of whatever, I don't even know if you call it code, uh -huh. uh, and with a phrase, and it would run the phrase like a thousand times all over your screen in a big scroll. Uh -huh. And I, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. I feel like I remember what you're talking it's just about. Just like five lines. It was like, I, the only part I remember is 20 go to 10. Hmm. And 10 was the the phrase, I think. Ready, set, huh? Something like that. <laughs> I don't remember. Huh. Then I was like, man, let's just play Castle Wolfenstein. That was a good one. Yeah, that I never did Oregon Trail. I never did as well. I was Castle Wolfenstein. But like Wolfenstein on the PC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like move left arrow, right <laughs> arrow, shoot, uh, 
shoot dash, yeah, which is some sort of a bullet. Yeah, it was fun. That was fun, and I thought it was just like the height of technological gaming. It was, it was at the time, but now Chuck, we've reached the height of technology, which is being tracked Man, everywhere you go. Look at you all the time. <laughs> By whoever wants to do that. I'm going to change your name to Josh Smooth Operator Clark for that <laughs> there transition. There you go. Very nice. Yeah. I like, I like Ali Sheedy Clark. <laughs> Josh Ali Sheedy and War Games Clark. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, did you put this together or was this you and... Uh, this is Dave Ruse. Dave Ruse, mm-hmm. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And hi, Dave. We finally got to meet uh, Dave. And his family. And his lovely family. Yeah. That we cursed awfully in front of yeah. in Seattle. Felt terrible. Thanks for adding yourself to the mix. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> he was fine. His kids were adorable. They were. They were great. They couldn't look at me, though. Oh, no, no, really? Yeah. They were probably just intimidated by your presence. No, no. It was because I cursed so badly. <laughs> so this is good stuff, though. Facial recognition technology uh, that they've been kind of at since the 1950s, uh, which they rolled out as a test in 2002 at the Super Bowl in, in New Orleans. Did not go that well. No, it, it was a little clunky back then, but it's gotten a lot better since then. Let me explain why. For anyone who's listened to The End of the World with Josh Clark, the AI episode in particular, uh-huh. everything associated with artificial intelligence got way better starting around 2007 when neural nets became a uh, viable form of machine learning yeah. because you don't have to train a computer what constitutes a human face and what to look for. You just feed it a bunch of pictures of faces and say, these are human faces, learn what a human face is, Mm -hmm. and they train themselves. And so around about 2007, 2008, 2009, everything that had to do with machine learning got way smarter because we started using neural nets. And facial recognition software is no exception. Yeah, and there were a few things that kind of converged all at the same time or around the same time. Uh, Sochmedes kind of coming on the scene right in that wheelhouse yep. uh, was a big deal. Um, Facebook, this is staggering. Facebook, just by itself, processes 350 million new photos through its uh, facial recognition software every day. A day. And every time one comes through, Mark Zuckerberg goes, mwah. <laughs> like you think it's neat when you go, when you put a picture up, and it says, like, would you like to tag Emily, your wife? Because that's her. And you think, oh, well, that's super easy. Thanks, Facebook. But then you don't think, like, wait a minute. All right. How do they know that's my wife? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like with everything else. Uh, there's privacy people that were like, whoa, do you guys realize what's going on? And then the 99% of the sheep, they're like, huh? And no, they're like, no, it's great. Like, I don't have to <laughs> yeah, go exactly. in and, like, make uh, click two links or two buttons yeah, to, to make tag this somebody. happen. Way easier. So that was one thing. There's way more photos out there for those machines to learn on. Yeah, like good, high-quality photos. Right. Um, 350 million a day just on Facebook alone, Um, which means the machines were getting smarter. They were getting better and better at at training themselves. And then lastly, um, that has led to a ubiquity in in facial recognition, Mm -hmm. that the better the machines have gotten, the easier it has been to put together data sets for them to train on, which mm-hmm. is lots and lots of pictures of people. Um, the cheaper the technology's gotten, which means the more people that are now using facial recognition than ever. Yeah, Amazon has a service called uh, Recognition with a K, 
which is not a good look. No, it looks very German. There's something Gestapo-y. about replacing a C with a K. Schutzstaffelish. That just looks creepy. Like when you spell America with a K. Yeah. It, it means something. It means like bad America. Ice Cube. Yet they went right full steam ahead and called it recognition right. with right. a K. You have to say it like that. You do, I think. And you have to be like squeezing the air out of a syringe while you're saying it too. <laughs> Um, so they have this, I didn't even know about this, but it's ubiquitous and it's not super expensive. Right. And that means that, that law enforcement agencies, agencies, they don't have to like create their own. They can just say, well, just sign up for a recognition. Right. Exactly. Because it's there and because it's, it's relatively cheap, you can just get a subscription, not just law enforcement agencies. If you have a photo sharing app or whatever, and you want some facial recognition technology, you just contract with with Amazon, and yep. Amazon goes, here you go, here's our data, and you can, or um, like our code, and you can put it onto your platform. Anybody can use it. Um, so it is kind of everywhere, and that makes a lot of people, including me, very, very nervous, because as this guy, uh, Woodrow Herzog, if he's not Werner Herzog's brother, I'll be disappointed. Oh, there's a lot of Herzogs. But but a Woodrow and a Werner, come on. Yeah, maybe. You know. Anyway, um, Woodrow Herzog uh, is a uh, professor of computer science and, I believe, privacy, civil liberty. Um, he basically says, look, there is no way we're going to reap the benefits of facial recognition mm-hmm. without ultimately sliding irreversibly into a dystopian surveillance state. We yeah. are, it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do something about it, it's never going to change back. We're about to fully give up our privacy because it's one thing to have your phone tracked. Right. You can give up your phone. Get yourself a burner phone, like your Jesse Pinkman or something <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. And then you just throw that phone away. You can't be tracked anymore. You can't get a burner face. And if that does become a thing down the line, Mm -hmm. it'll be very, very expensive. So the average person can't get a burner face. We'll be tracked by our face everywhere we go. And as we add more and more cameras and this technology becomes cheaper and cheaper, we will be living in a world where there will be zero privacy and we'll be monitored and tracked because it will be so easy. So and easy. it will be sold to us like it's being sold to us now. That's like everything. That it's a law enforcement tool mm-hmm. to get the bad guys. That's right. But it's eventually going to extend to include everybody. Mm-hmm. But what do you have to worry about? You're an upstanding citizen. It doesn't matter if you're tracked. Mm-hmm. That's not true. That's, That's right. just not the case, everybody. It's not the case. All right. We're going to call that soap, soapbox soliloquy number one <sighs> of what I guarantee will be probably three or four. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about how it works. It is biometric authentication. Um, it's like a fingerprint or a retina scan. And basically what it does is uh, there, it is precise measurements of a face to calculate every person's very unique visual geometry. Mm-hmm. Like how far apart your eyes are. Sure. How, how far apart your pupils are from your nostrils. Yeah, your facial geometry, how, you, how your face is all set up. I think, yeah, it's even gotten into things like facial hair, skin tone, um, skin texture. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll get just more and more specific. Yeah, and, the, the you know, because they're getting the machines are getting better and better and easier and easier to train on this stuff, you can just add more and more data to it, and yeah. the, the, the recognition will just become 
increasingly um, um, good. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to throw off uh, facial recognition software and freak out every human you meet, just shave your eyebrows. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a little freaky. Have you ever seen that? You've I, seen it before, I'm sure, in movies and stuff. It's an interesting thing. I remember a kid in industrial arts class did that one year. He was like a little, you know, kind of a ninth grade burnout, and he just showed up one day with no eyebrows. Uh-huh. Like you would, I think like not having a nose would be more easily accepted. Sure. There's something just uncanny uh, when someone shaves their eyebrows. <laughs> like one day they have them, the next day they don't. <laughs> was it like immediately recognizable what the thing was or was it like no that's the thing yeah off today <laughs> that was it okay whereas if you you know you came in the next day without a nose the first thing you would say is what happened to your nose what happened to your nose todd yeah and todd would be like i got rid of it it fell off <laughs> so those measurements we were talking about uh what happens then is they compare that just like a fingerprint uh with a database of images and depending on what this is for uh, it could be like just within your company, or it could be the FBI's database of mugshots, or mm-hmm. it could be uh, the DMV's database of driver's license photos. Yeah. Which we'll get into. Yeah. What's interesting is each stage of the way, there's a different algorithm that does, you know, each increasingly sophisticated step. Yeah. Until you finally have basically like all of the different data points for that you know, what makes up that facial geometry. And then you can compare it to all the other data points. We we think of like a computer running like a, you know, a picture. You've got your input picture. Right. And then running, you know, all the pictures next to it. That's not what it's doing. It's, no. it's running the numbers, basically. It's doing computer stuff. Yeah, I love that first step, uh, which is <laughs> you have to teach the computer what a face is. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it seems... Silly, but of course that's what it is. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you show it a picture of a person standing next to a fire hydrant. Yeah, they zoom in on the fire hydrant yeah. and say, hello, handsome. So this is what a human <laughs> face looks like, huh? Yeah, or mm-hmm. no, that's a butt. Yeah. And then it starts, you know, closer, closer. All right, right. now that's a face. You know what a face is. Right. And now move on to step two, which is... Stop screwing around. Yeah. So now you know what a face is. You've got to normalize it for the photo, which means there are n- not that many. Well, that's not true. You have true. to put it into Dockers. <laughs> that normalizes it. <laughs> yeah. um, you isolate that face, and then you have to make sure that it's normalized as far as looking at the camera. So if it's a if you get a photo of a someone from a CCTV, let's say, yeah, and it's sort of a three quarter, they have the ability to make it as if it is looking straight at you. Yeah, the computer can pretty accurately predict what the rest of the face looks like. Mm-hmm. Face, you know. Head on, I guess, face on. Maybe. Um, and I, when it normalizes it like that, it makes it much easier to compare to other pictures because, as we'll see, most of the pictures or most of the data points that it's comparing it to are taken from databases of pictures that have been taken of, of people face on. Right. So that's why it wants to go like through that shots step. or driver's license. Yeah. Well, yeah. just spoiled it, but yes. Well, we already said that. Oh, we did? Yeah, I did. Okay. I missed it. I know. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, from there, you have more algorithms still that isolate parts of the face. Um, And this is where my old theory that, like, there are only so many sort of facial combinations. So Mm -hmm. that's why you have doppelgangers. We got to do an episode on doppelgangers. Yeah, there's only so many things you can do with two eyes, two eyebrows, a nose, and a mouth, and cheekbones. Right. And a chin. Well, okay, what else? I mean, there's not a whole lot. There's Lips? Lips, sure. 
Uh, what about um, uh, that's, that's about it. These are called elevens, the, the ridges between your eyebrows. Well, if you want to get super specific, but that's what I'm saying. I think they're getting more and more specific. Oh yeah, yeah. But my whole point is, and we'll learn in here in facial recognition, they they do use doppelgangers. Yeah, but put a pin in that. So they recognize all these features, and then each feature becomes what's called a nodal point or nodal point. I think nodal. Nodal. I think. And this is where you're going to get your super exact uh, angles and distances between all these parts Mm -hmm. as a flat two-dimensional thing. Right. Which my question was, uh, because below here, you know, it talks about Apple and their iPhone have a 3D facial recognition. Is that... Is two-dimensional superior to 3D? I don't know. Or is it just because that's what all the pictures are in the databases, so that's what they do? I don't know. All I know is my phone usually unlocks when I look at it. (laughs) You know what I hate is having to take off my sunglasses. It's the worst. So I found I've got some Wayfarers that I don't have to take off. But my aviators I do have to take off. Interesting. Do they keep trying to make you into Mav when you have on the aviators? (laughs) Yeah. They go, eh. <laughs> what, what is that? That was Tom Cruise laughing and chewing gum. <laughs> okay? Wow. Thanks. I feel like, uh, oh, okay, um, we, we, we got to keep going because I was about to take a break okay. unnecessarily. <laughs> so um, when, the, when the computer's running through the pictures, it just sits there and goes like, no, 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 millions and millions of times. And then finally it goes, yes. But when it says yes, and it spits out another picture. It's not like this is that person. No. Yeah. You want it to be because we all watch NCIS. We all watch CSI. I don't. We all watch um, I don't. Uh, Law and Order. I don't. We all watch... Um, uh, Party Down. I do. Uh, <laughs> Andy Griffith. Like Shit. all that you got stuff. got me there. Matlock. Nope. The whole shebang. <laughs> um, so we want it to just spit out and be like, here's your... Here's your your person of interest, right? right? But what it's really doing is it's it's producing a similarity score that is probabilistic. It's saying this is there's this percent chance that this is the same person as the picture or the person in the picture that you uploaded. Yeah, it's a bit of a guess. It is. So a sophisticated guess. It is. And it, the better computers get at this, the the likelier it is that if they say this is a there's a 99% chance it's the same person, that it's the same person. Right. But it's, as we'll see, it's up to the human user to determine what is an acceptable right. threshold of a, a confidence. Is it 50%? No. Mm-hmm. Is it 75%? No. Frankly, it really should be about 99% or higher should be the confidence setting. Yeah. The setting it, for the confidence level. Isn't that what uh, Amazon's recognition <laughs> says the threshold should be? It, I'm glad you said that, man, because... It really is creepy, and I couldn't put my <laughs> finger on it, and it, it's exactly... I mean, I knew the K looked weird or whatever, but it hadn't hit me that just how creepy it is and yeah. just how off the mark or potentially on the mark that name is. Like, ooh, uh, like if my name was spelled C-H-U-K, I'm sinister. A little bit. You'd be more sinister. Yeah. I don't think you could ever be truly sinister, Chuck. I appreciate that. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to go work on sinistering up a bit. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the uses of FR right after this. (music) 
So as with all technology, it has to be abbreviated into two letters, <laughs> the second of which is R. Do they call it FR? I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I have. I was just being silly, but it doesn't surprise me. Nope. So in FR, facial recognition technology, yeah, there are there are some some beneficial uses for it. Yeah, like we said, you don't got to tag people. <laughs> that so is cool. Chief <laughs> among them, the for people like you and me, uh-huh. that's the pinnacle as it stands. Yeah, you don't have to tag people yourself. Facebook does it for you. Yes, that's what we're trading everything for. That's I got to right. calm down. Okay. <laughs> there are some other like genuinely beneficial uses too. There's a nonprofit company called Thorn mm-hmm. that scans missing persons pictures mm-hmm. against um, pictures of children in child porn videos um, or suspected human trafficking to, to get matches. And apparently they've rescued 100 kids so far mm-hmm. from using that technology. There's a pretty beneficial use of facial recognition software. Uh, dating apps? Let's sure. say you want to, you can get pretty specific on what kind of face you find attractive, uh, which is interesting. But you can say, I really think. Um, I like guys with high cheekbones and. But no, you would go find. Small lips. You, it would be more like um, somebody could be like, oh, I really find Christian Bale attractive. And they get a picture of Christian right. Bale into this dating app and I would come up. But I wouldn't because I wouldn't be in the dating app because I'm happily married. Do you think you look like Christian Bale? I'm told that a lot. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I don't think you look anything like him. I don't either, but people Interesting. say. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't know what I would do if I was dating now. I guess I would just go to a service and say an Ali Sheedy type. <laughs> sure. <laughs> For more games era. But they'd be like, okay, sir, you would just upload the picture. You don't have right. to come into the office, <laughs> which is really not even open to the public. Yeah, that's And true. just tell us you're interested in an Ali Sheedy type. Like a weirdo. You mean dating apps don't have offices where they just <laughs> field complaints and yeah. interested parties? You sit down and they, they videotape you with a VHS camera yeah. and put you on with some other guys on a tape. That's how they used to do it. Oh, yeah. That was uh, one of the subplots of uh, Singles, the Cameron Crowe movie. Oh, yeah. It was uh, Expect the Best was the name of the dating service, and you would make a videotape. <laughs> And like watch videotapes of people, you know, saying who they are. How do you remember that? I was a big singles fan. I saw it a bunch. I gotcha. Yeah, expect the best. You, me, pack of cigarettes and some coffee. (laughs) We don't need anything else. Gesundheit. So uh, what else here? This was um, Taylor Swift and, and her security team on tour used it to scan the audience to see if any of the creeps who have harassed and stalked her were in the audience. Yeah. That's super beneficial. Sure. No one should have to go through that. Um, also, cops use it in myriad ways, but in particular, especially beneficial are um, when they use facial recognition to identify people who can't identify themselves. Yeah, that's this, interesting. Somebody in the midst of a psychotic break, perhaps. Right. Somebody wasted on shrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody... Sir, you're not Jesus Christ. <laughs> who uh, who has uh, uh, amnesia. Yeah. Like our friend Benjamin Kyle, uh-huh. who apparently... Knows who he is now, but he's decided not to disclose it publicly. Who Remember is this? the guy? He was found behind a Burger King near a dumpster, had zero recollection of who he was or how he got there. I, think I remember that. And like there was this international uh, publicity mm-hmm. publicizing like who he was and that he, he couldn't remember who he was. And somebody finally came forward and identified him. So now he knows who he was, but he went like a decade without knowing. Wow. Yeah. By the way, when I 
said, sir, you're not Jesus Christ. I was making fun of the guy on mushrooms, not someone in the midst of a psychotic break. Oh, I see. Just want to be very specific. About I think that, that was very clear. <laughs> All right. Just sure. want to make sure. Everybody knows that. So uh, those are some of the good ways that it can be used. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about all the bad ways. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about the government, you're talking about law enforcement. Uh, when you're talking about uh, things like uh, what's going on allegedly in China with CCTVs everywhere, uh, trained to, um, to single out ethnic minorities and uh, religious groups, mm-hmm. just walking down the street, going about their day. Right, being tracking tracked. Tracking them. Yeah. It's, it gets into much different territory than tagging people in dating apps. Yeah, it's pretty difficult to attend your religious service if you're not allowed to reten- attend your religious service and you're being tracked everywhere you go. Yeah, that's why places like, and this is the most predictable thing in the world, San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley, mm-hmm. and then Somerville, Maine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew the Mainers would be in there. Sure. They're not into this. Live free or die. That's right. Uh, they have banned law enforcement um, from using facial recognition altogether. And California, um, as a state, uh, and the AC- has put a three-year moratorium on the use of it on body cams. Which is a big one. And the ACLU is basically, I know this is jumping ahead, but they're at the point where they're like, we need to tap the brakes here for a few years. Right. And like, because there's no legislation about this yet. Well, and the- it's just going full steam ahead. R- yeah, I really, I don't want to like, like run past that. There is... Aside from Berkeley, San Francisco, who is the other one? Oakland. Oakland and Somerville, Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no laws, state, local, or federal, governing the use of facial recognition technology by law enforcement. Yeah, it's, it's just happening very fast. Whatever they want to do, yeah. they can do. Um, and in some cases, they do all sorts of stuff with it. They um, will use it like uh, the NYPD very famously used um, what you were talking about with doppelgangers. There was a guy who was caught stealing beer at a CVS. This is amazing. Not even a Dwayne Reed, a CVS. <laughs> um, and they said, well, this guy looks a lot like Woody Harrelson. We don't have, <laughs> yeah. a, good, we don't have a good shot of him to use in a facial recognition yeah, but software. But you know what we do have is lots of great pics of Woody Harrelson. <laughs> so they went and got a pic of Woody Harrelson, and they came up with a match. And they think it was the guy on video in CVS. And so um, the Georgetown School of Law uh, produced a study called Garbage In, Garbage Out. And they were basically like, that's not okay. You really shouldn't be doing that. But that's the level of legality Mm -hmm. as it stands right now. There's – it's just open season. Um, And uh, it's just basically whatever you want to do, you can do as far as facial recognition is concerned. And and that story in particular, it's like some people are like, awesome. The system works. Sure. Other people are like, what about poor Woody Harrelson? He was really in danger (laughs) right then of being implicated in this beer stealing scheme from CVS. And Woody said, what, dude? (laughs) I love that guy. I do too. Man, True Detective, the first season. Yeah. First four episodes, just amazing. Uh, that's called the using a probe photo when you use s- when you say, "Hey, that looks like someone." They also did the same uh, with one of the New York Knicks. Apparently, I could not for the life of me find out who. Yeah, it's I like either. he's being protected or something. Maybe they, no one said who it was. Um, a couple of numbers for you, though. Uh, the FBI receives about fifty thousand facial recognition search submissions a month. Yeah, for their database. So that's the other thing. If you don't have even the money for a subscription to Amazon recognition 
or you don't have an IT person who's capable of assembling it and putting it, you know, using it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just submit these requests to the FBI. Yeah. So there's a lot of different avenues you could take as law enforcement to to um, to use facial recognition technology to catch suspected criminals. Yeah, I was about to say bad guys, but who as, knows? As we'll see. That's not always the case. Yeah. So uh, here's some more numbers, though, because. You know, it needs to be regulated, but when it works, it really works. Yeah, it really does, though, is the thing. Yeah, there was one uh, department where they said it lowered the average time required for an officer to identify a subject from an image from 30 days to three minutes, which kind of brings home the point. There's another number in here that's interesting, but... 17. (laughs) uh, it, It brings home the point that, like, this is something that human policemen were doing officers were doing with their eyeballs by flipping through books yes for 30 days straight saying like eh, it doesn't look like this person didn't this is like a chance to really speed up that process and to spend more time in theory catching bad guys yes i'm not arguing for it i'm just saying they were doing this anyway just through manpower right i think the thing is is Anytime you add artificial intelligence, it automatically makes the user of the artificial intelligence's side unfair, mm-hmm. unfairly advantaged. It's not like the criminals are able to use AI to steal beer from CVS more effectively, but the cops are using AI right. to catch them stealing beer more effectively. And it's kind of like, yes, it makes sense to catch like child pornographers and um, human traffickers right. and rapists and murderers and violent criminals with this stuff. But using that kind of technology to catch somebody who stole beer from a CVS, if he, that's when it starts to feel like, what kind of society are we moving toward? You know? Well, I think someone not, on the— not, Hold on. Let me keep going here for a second because I, I don't want people to be like, what are you in favor of the guy stealing beer from CVS? No, I'm not. I think you're a scumbag if you steal beer from CVS. But— I also think that it's overkill to use facial recognition technology to catch that person. Use old-fashioned police tactics. Or don't catch them. Yes, That's yeah, just I, kind of the fairness of the Old West I in New th- York City. I think I might be on the other side because I don't think we need to set a fair playing ground between criminals and cops. And saying, like, it's unfair that cops can use this stuff and criminals are just out there not able to use these same techniques. Okay, so my the fairness thing doesn't just end at the law and order thing, right? Like like it's not just with cops using it that they have this huge advantage. I totally get how people would be like, no, give the cops that huge advantage. Yeah. I don't have an issue with that in and of itself. I think my issue comes a step or two down the road sure. where – the government or the cops uh, acting on behalf of the government use that against everyday citizens who right. have no recourse whatsoever. Right. That 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 lopsidedness that's so evident when you're using AI to catch somebody stealing beer from the CVS, mm-hmm. it's really easy to kind of follow that a little further across to the horizon and see just how unfair life could be and how oppressive that could be using that technology. I think that's ultimately what I'm saying. All right. I hopefully dug myself out of that hole by now. <laughs> so, uh, and, and this gets into some of the controversies and the arguments. If you're, if you're scanning mugshots uh, for rapists and arsonists and murderers and violent criminals mm-hmm. and you're catching people, you're not going to find a lot of people that say, 
well, that's not fair. Go back and use – take a month to look through a mugshot book instead right. and uh, waste a bunch of time and don't be efficient. Mm-hmm. So I think most people would say if you're looking at mugshots, although we should point out that a mugshot doesn't mean – that just means you were arrested. That doesn't mean you were guilty of anything. Right. Um, so there were plenty of opportunities for false positives and people being put in jail that shouldn't be. Right. But but there's not a lot of people who are like, no, don't use mugshot databases. Right, exactly. Uh, if you're scanning driver's license databases or other just general public databases, that's when it gets super tricky because mm-hmm. we can't avoid the fact that what that means is, and, and the Center on Privacy and Technology um, kind of stated very plainly, what that means is everyone is in a perpetual lineup, essentially. Right. If you have a driver's license, you're part of a police lineup. Yeah, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. And if that computer says, here's the guy, it's Chuck Bryant, uh, they will say, well, he doesn't strike me as very sinister. And the computer will be like, trust me, this is the guy uh, with like an 80-something percent confidence interval. Um, Chuck, suddenly you're going to get visited by the cops. And maybe you'll even get arrested because you were a little cagey when they talked to you and you set off their cop radar or whatever. Right. And then the next thing you know, you're in court being charged with a crime that you didn't commit because a computer implicated you. Right. And the cops thought that you were acting cagey. And let's say that you were a very, very poor person and you don't have any money to mount a decent defense. Yeah. The best you can afford is a free public defender who has 50 other cases and is not really paying very much attention to you. Mm-hmm. And you're in jail now because you got convicted wrongly because you were put in a lineup just because you had a driver's license. Yeah, I think for me, um, and this is total my privilege coming through as well, like I'd want to see some numbers. And if one of every 10,000 arrest and conviction of a real criminal and a rapist Mm -hmm. and a murderer, Mm -hmm. and there's three people that get falsely identified and have to go through the system and may or may not be acquitted, I'd want to see those numbers. But again, that's coming from a privileged position as someone who could afford a legal defense. Right. Who uh, is white? Yeah, exactly. That's another one too. Is that people of color uh, bear a, a inordinate burden, a disproportionate burden when it comes to facial recognition technologies? We'll see. Well, I mean, we might as well go ahead and talk about that. It's, um, I think, from the beginning, even with social media, there were certain facial recognition, early facial recognition technologies that admitted, like, we're not as good as uh, seeing. Uh, or or recognizing faces with darker skin. It's just not that good. Yeah, I think something like darker-skinned men and women were recognized 12% and 35% were misidentified compared to 1% and 7% of light-skinned men and women. And they say it's because of the data sets that these machines have been trained on. Which is crazy. It's not purposefully, but it makes sense if you live in like a generally like, like, the white people are in power and it's like whiteness is the most celebrated part of the society or whatever, that's what you're going to have more pictures of. And when you feed just a bunch of pictures from your society into a machine and say, learn what faces are, it's going to go, oh, white men, I got gotcha. you. Well, there just are more white people numbers-wise. Sure, so okay. So that probably has something to do with it. Right. Um, yes, that's a really, that is an excellent point as well, for sure. But the the fact of the matter is, the data sets that the machines are learning on are largely white and largely male. And so it, they're just not as good at recognizing the differences in faces among um, 
people who aren't white males. Yeah. Uh, let's read these quotes. There's a couple of good quotes here. Uh, the first one is from Woodrow uh, Hartzog. What? I was going to read it as Werner. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I should get Nolan here. He does a good Werner. Oh, yeah? The most uniquely dangerous <laughs> surveillance mechanism ever intended is an irresistible tool for oppression that's perfectly suited for governments to display unprecedented authoritarian, I'm sorry, authoritarian control and an all-out privacy eviscerating machine. <laughs> <laughs> that was dead on. I just realized it's Hartzog, so it's... It's spelled differently. It's H A R T. Herzog is just H E R Z O G. Oh, I'm I'm glad that we didn't figure that out beforehand, though. Oh, you want to take the other one? The... I also I have to say I detected a hint of Michael Caine in there too. There might have been a little bit. It's hard to get Michael Caine out of my system. What's the other one? Oh, from Microsoft President Brad Smith. Yeah. So Brad Smith says that when combined with ubiquitous cameras and massive computing power and storage in the cloud, a government could use facial recognition technology to enable continuous surveillance of specific individuals, like they're supposedly doing in China, as an aside. It could follow anyone anywhere, or for that matter, everyone everywhere, at any time, or even all the time. And he wasn't, this wasn't a sales pitch. He was right. speaking out against this to Congress, saying like, guys, we gotta, we have to do something about this because this is the... The, the path we're heading down. And that's why uh, Seth Abramowitz changed his name to Brad Smith. <laughs> it sounds like a total, like, made Brad, up. It does. <laughs> yeah, like, I just want to blend in. Um, so you've got scanning against mugshots, scanning against driver's licenses. And then um, there's a new one that just came out. The New York Times just released this expose on January 18th, just a few days ago, um, on a company called Clearview AI. And apparently, even among um, Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. there has been this long-standing kind of uh, unspoken thing where let's steer clear of this facial recognition technology because it's such a tool of oppression yeah. potentially. And Clearview AI said, "Hey, we're not from Silicon Valley. We're we're just going to do our own thing." So now there's we're from this, Sacramento. <laughs> there's this tool that's available to, to law enforcement agencies that they're using. Remember mm -hmm. that one that one guy who had a quote saying that um, it went from 30 days to three minutes? Yeah. They were almost certainly using Clearview AI. Oh, really? And the reason Clearview AI has such an advantage is because they've gone to this place where everyone else said was off limits, which is scraping social media. Mm -hmm. So rather than the 41 million driver's license and mugshot pictures that is available in the FBI's database... Mm -hmm. Clearview AI is this app that you can subscribe to for a year for like two thousand to ten thousand dollars, and they have three billion pictures, including wow. links to the social accounts of the people whose pictures come up, mm -hmm. so that you can not only see who it is, you can find out where they're at right then. Right, and it's a hugely invasive thing, and there's no legislation on this whatsoever. Yeah, and it's only just recently come out that this this company even exists or that this app exists, and that law enforcement is using this stuff because again, there's basically no laws saying you can do this, you can't do that. Right, um, and again, Woodrow Herzog has basically said there's no way we're going to realize the benefits of this without the incredibly disproportionate drawbacks. Right, and um. He just calls for an all-out ban of the technology. He's basically saying it's not worth it. All right, let's take another break. Oh, my gosh. We haven't taken our second break yet? Nope. Okay. Uh, and we'll be right back to talk about the rest of this stuff <laughs> right after this. 
I think we should talk a little bit, uh, like we've talked about the false positives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think within Amazon, their contention is that what you're talking about with like these studies out of MIT that said um, that there are too many false positives is he's they're saying, wait a minute, you're talking about facial analysis, not facial recognition. And those are two different things. I did not understand this at all. I went and looked it up. and I didn't fully get it either. There's, it sounds like some tap dancing to me. I looked it yeah. up, and there's, like, not a distinction between those two aside from in this quote. Oh, really? Yeah, it's basically the same thing. And also, it doesn't even make sense as a defense. So, basically, what they're saying is that um, that th- they were being called out by MIT's media lab. They did a 2018 study. That's the one that found that uh, there's, like, a 12 and 35% misidentification among right. darker-skinned men and women. Uh-huh. And especially women, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Amazon said, no, 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 uh, you guys are using facial analysis, not facial recognition. And it's like, no, that's that's not the case at all. They're doing facial recognition. All right, I'm glad it wasn't just me because you see, I wrote, I don't get it. <laughs> next to this, <laughs> it was a it was a bad a bad jam, I guess. But I think their point was, well, you're trying to tell the gender of uh, somebody, and if you're doing binary gender stuff, like yeah, you're trying to assignment. say this is male or female, right? You can't really use facial recognition for that, especially among darker-skinned people. Gotcha. And they said that you shouldn't use that, especially in cases of people's civil liberties or whatever. But it still remains the case that if you are a darker-skinned person Mm -hmm. and you're being looked at by a police department that has their threshold for a confidence level set low— Yeah. There's a chance that a false positive is going to right. be put out there. Right. And that's that can be trouble for you if you don't have the money to mount a defense. Yeah. And even if you do have the money, you shouldn't have sure. to mount a defense and spend money on that right. to be acquitted <laughs> of a crime just because that's the computer's true. not so good at, at distinguishing um, black people yeah. like it is among white people. Yeah. And, what, you know, when it comes to where this is going to end up legally, uh, you might want to look at the Fourth Amendment. Um, it gets really dicey on how you interpret the Constitution mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about illegal search and seizure. Is this a search or a seizure? Probably not, um, because it depends on what we're talking about with the Supreme Court. Um, you've probably been stopped uh, in a, at a DUI checkpoint, and that's stopping everybody. That's sort right. of the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like, if you're in a car, we're going to stop you and check you out because the, cubli- uh, the, the, cublic, the public <laughs> has uh, said – you know, that's okay. It's reasonable. It's not super invasive. And if you're stopping drunk drivers, it's just putting someone out for a few minutes. Yeah, the court said if it's minimally invasive and the public good or the potential for public good, which is in this case right. getting drunk drivers off the road, uh-huh. is high enough, then it's it's okay to basically search everybody without probable cause. Yeah, same with TSA checkpoints. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to official rulings, obviously we don't have one in facial recognition yet. But if you look at Carpenter v. United States— uh, the court ruled 5-4 that police violated uh, Fourth Amendment rights of a man when they asked for his cell phone location data without a warrant from T-Mobile. Right. Um, so ho- hopefully this nuance will prevail and it just won't – it looks like it probably won't be some blanket ruling that just says, yep, you can use it for whatever you want. Right. If it even gets to that point and if the court hears it, which yeah. it probably would. So the other thing that um, that is is has become worrisome for people though is – there, it's becoming um, our society is becoming increasingly surveilled 
right? Like ring the the ring doorbell. Sure. They market to law enforcement basically saying like you can you can these people like will pay to have video cameras put on their house and you can go get these videos. It's on neighborhood them, right? pages all the time. People exactly. like my car got broken into who can help me out with their cameras. Right. So it's being marketed to law enforcement. Your TV has a camera in it. Your smart speaker has a microphone in it. So the more that we are um, surveilled and the more ubiquitous facial recognition technology gets, the easier it will be to not just scan a picture of somebody stealing beer at a, a CVS yeah. <laughs> against a mugshot database or a driver's or license or, database, or but to say this person right here that you're you're looking at that the camera's following, mm-hmm. that's this that's that's um that's uh that's Chuck Bryant right there, mm-hmm. and everywhere you walk there's you know, a, a little icon next to your head Chuck Bryant. You know, if you click it, it'll show you your Facebook page or a map of to your house or mm-hmm. whatever they want to know, your police record, it doesn't matter. And that this is what we're we're increasingly getting closer right. to. And some people say this is what they're already doing in China. Yeah. And, and London has has they were one of the first on the CCTV train. Yes, but they use humans. Right. Which is fair. Right. <laughs> oh, for recognizing faces? Yeah, they have people like actually looking at right. the, at di- individual monitors looking for crime. This is this is the idea of this. is It's just tracking people who are just doing nothing wrong. Yeah, but there are plenty of people on the other side, we should point out, that are like, you know what? If you're catching bad guys, that's great. If you're a good guy, you got nothing to hide, so you shouldn't sweat it. Yeah, I can never remember the name of the article. I'll try to find it, but there's a... Man, I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but there's there's this amazing article from a few years back um, that that basically says like that's that's just a terrible argument that that even if you have nothing to hide, you still um, are a human being, mm-hmm. and if somebody and wanted right to, to put together yeah, and but if somebody wanted to put together like a um, a, a dossier on yours. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing things that you've done or said or thought or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and and put it all together and condensed it. You can make anybody look bad. No one should want to live in a, a situation where like that could conceivably happen. In them. the police state, yeah, a police state. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I guess we'll see I, how it pans no, out. I'm not saying <laughs> police state. Fr is stuff. good stuff. Police states, good stuff. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Write in Woodrow Herzog and let us know what to do. <laughs> uh, if you want to know more about facial recognition technology, you can uh, go onto the internet and start reading stuff about it. Definitely read the New York Times expose about um, Clearview AI. It came out January 18th. Yes. Okay. Since I said that, it's time for listener mail. All right. No, it's not. You know what it's time for. Oh, yeah. I know what it's time for. You ready? Yeah, you say it. It's time for... Administrative Details. All right, this is part two. This is where we thank people on the show that have sent us kindnesses via snail mail. Siggy, mm-hmm. S-I-G-G-I, sent, uh, sent me some hand-knitted socks. Not you for some reason. I don't know why. I got some socks, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know who they were from, so... They may be from Siggy. I think probably what it was is you um, left them with my desk. Okay. And I thank you for it, Chuck. All right. Do another one while I'm pulling up my list. My computer's uh, acting up. Julie Shoop made us t-shirts. Shoop. Uh, this is good stuff. Faux band name tour shirts. Uh, super fun. Thanks a lot, Julie. Very cool. Uh, you're still working, so I'm going to keep going. Thalia Dawes. 
uh, is our pal from Australia, sent my daughter a couple of books. Oh. Uh, she's a very lovely lady who has a very adorable and whip-smart daughter about the same age who listens to our show. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, man, I wish she lived here. We could go on a play date. Yeah. They both seem like lovely humans. There's such a thing as planes. <laughs> yeah. Go to Australia for a play date. <laughs> um, so at our Portland, Maine show, Chuck, we had like a lot of, um, we got a lot of neat gifts. Uh, Jim Diefenbacher made us amazing crosshatch portraits. Oh, yeah. Prints of them. Yeah, those are great. Of us, like, of a photo we took, I think, uh-huh. on, like, our West Coast tour from 2015. Yeah, it brought back some memories Yeah, I saw that. It's just really great stuff. And you can see Jim's work at jimdiefenbacher.com. J-I-M-D-I-E-F-F-E-N-B-A-C-H-E-R.com. And they were framed in everything. Yeah. Very sweet stuff, Jim. Uh, we got some home-tapped maple syrup from Andy Hunsberger from... Uh, Elgin, IA. Okay. <laughs> What's Iowa? Is that Iowa? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say the wrong state. What were you going to say? Indiana? I don't know. I think I went to say... Illinois? Have you ever seen Gary Goldman's bit on Nate, uh, abbreviating the states? No. Dude, just look it up. One of the great comedy bits I've ever seen. Okay. It's hysterical. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, another at the Portland show. We got a letter from Togue Braun. From Down East Dayboats. From Lloyd Braun? <laughs> Togue Braun. Oh. Um, and Down East Dayboats' mission is to bring sustainable, delicious scallops from Maine to the world. And she said that scallops have varietals like oysters and that Maine has the best. So check out downeastdayboat.com. I and love scallops. Togue Braun, feel free to send us some scallops as long as they've been appropriately refrigerated the entire time. Yes. Uh, I got another children's book, Are You a Good Egg? And that was from uh, Peter Deutschel, along with some Stuff You Should Know Coasters. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again, Peter. I think we thanked him last episode for the coasters, too. Oh, really? Didn't know about the children's book. Uh, Sarah Law, who is a SYSK Army member, um, she came to the Toronto show, and she brought us a bunch of um, Canadian goodies. Oh, yeah. Everything from Japanese cheesecakes and tarts from Uncle Tetsu's. Oh, so good. So good. Um, and uh, I think some other stuff, too, like uh, coffee crisps, which are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thanks a lot, Sarah, as always. Why is everything from Japan awesome? I, they just... It's really good. They they don't necessarily invent much. They just take other people's inventions and perfect them. Yeah, and it seems like they take a lot of pride in, like, doing things right. Yeah. I think you could say that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, we got... Uh, from Matt, an assortment of uh, food things from Japan. Mm-hmm. And that came in today, including oh our beloved QP mayonnaise. I love that stuff. It's been too long. It's Thanks a lot, long. Matt. God bless you. Uh, let's see. Leah Harrison gave us some amazing goodies, too, including Coffee Crisp and Canadian Smarties, which are way better than American Smarties because they involve chocolate. It's super Smarties. Mm-hmm. Uh, a student named Maria Styling wrote us a letter uh-huh. for an honors English project because she had to write someone who inspired her. And she asked this, and I told her we'd answer, how do we choose a topic? Uh, Maria, we choose a topic. It's not, it's pretty lo-fi. We just uh, send each other one each week on whatever happens to grab our fancy. We're always looking around our world uh, and thinking, huh, I wonder about that. Yeah. And that's as, that's as easy as it gets. And we'll just send each other an email. And 99 times out of 100, we'll say, great, let's do it. Yeah. Boring. I know. Uh, Let's see. Um, Oh, Michael C. Lerner, who's an attorney at law in Reno, 
sent us a letter about getting the word out about the National Consumer Law Center, for which uh, Lerner does a lot of pro bono work for people who are poor and getting screwed over because of debt, as he put it. So he pointed us to the National Consumer Law Center and the Practicing Law Institute's Consumer Financial Services Answer Book. So if you are in debt and you're getting pushed around, go check those things out, says Michael C. Lerner. Good stuff. Uh, Van Ostrin, we got to thank him again. Our buddy from Washington sent us uh, a book by his friend Andy Robbins called Field Guide oh, yeah. to the North American Jackalope. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's very fun. Uh, Paul Espeth from Mars Community Brewing Company in Chicago gave us a bunch of beer at the Chicago show. Thank you for that. Um, uh, I got one more. Okay. I'll go ahead and finish up, and then you can round us out. Man, I have a whole page left. All right. Robert Highland from Whammo. This was, just came in today. Okay. He works for Whammo. He sent us each their 70th anniversary Superbook. Oh, wow. Thanks a lot. He's like, you guys talk a lot about Whammo products. Does it bounce? Uh, I have not dropped it on the floor yet. Well, let's find out. I'll give it a try. Uh, I'm going to do a couple more, and then maybe we'll split these up because they're for both of us for another episode. It's up to you. He can blaze through them, too. No, there's too many. Okay. Um, So, let's see. uh, The Crown Royal people, again, for hooking us up. Man. Very sweet. They've hooked us up many, many times. Um, and they gave us a nice congratulations because we got the best curiosity award from the iHeart Podcast Awards last year. Oh, yeah. That's how old this one is. Mick Sullivan gave us a copy of his book, The Meat Shower, which is amazingly illustrated. You can check it out on thepastandthecurious.com. Meat shower. Yeah. That just sounds really gross. It really does. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, and we'll round everything out with Danielle Dixon, who is a real-life marine biologist, Chuck, at the University of Delaware. And she sent us a couple of copies of her kids' book, Sea Stories, children's books based on real science. You can check it out at seastorybooks.com. All right. You going to save the rest? I'm going to save the rest. We'll split them up. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, who sent us stuff. And, and thank you also just for saying hi to anyone who does. You can say hi to us by sending us an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, send it off to Stuff Podcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.